And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brutico, your host for today, and I'm really glad you joined us. We have a great show planned for you. We'll be talking with Dr. Jacqueline DuPont, gerontologist and CEO, founder of Irvine Cottages and Assured In-Home Care. I call today's show, Granddad's Alzheimer Becomes a Business. You'll hear about an act of kindness filling a societal need and how it became a big business. And it's proof of that old adage. Find a need and fill it, and you can be successful. First, a bit about our show. Our objective is to challenge your thinking about life and work. As one of the mentors, my policy is to try to select guests who are accomplished people with years of experience in business, in the business world and in their life. And you'll hear that kind of wisdom from my guest today. Again, those of you that have listened to my show before know that my personal definition of wisdom is knowledge modified by experience through time. I'm certainly not knocking anything that we learn in school or any conferences we go to or anything like that. But I have just found that people that have walked the walk, they've got the blisters on their feet. Those people really have gems, pearls as I call them, that can really help us along the way. And I believe today's show will inspire you to believe that you can do great things for society and at the same time, because of our unique capitalistic system that we live in, build a very good business. Of course, you're going to hear about challenges accepted, problems attacked, governmental blocks resisted, frustrations that are unresolved, issues that affect patients and and the business. And yet I know you're going to hear that perseverance always leads to success. All my guests tell me that. So listen for those pearls of wisdom that can only come from experiences of those who have walked the road before us. Business and life, of course, is all about managing risk. And today's guest has an unbelievable story to tell us about that. So stay with us. But before we get started, I want to just remind you about a couple of things. First, you can call 24 hours a day, 844-610-TALK. That's 844-610-8255. Or email us. We want to hear your questions and comments. Go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and you'll find show notes there. You can hear all of the podcasts, the archives of all the shows that we've done, and we also have links to our sponsors. Speaking of sponsors, I want to welcome a new sponsor today, MyPillow. I like MyPillow. My wife loves hers. So call 800-890-6632 or go to mypillow.com. Use the promo code MENTORS in either case. And don't forget to give us a call, too, and tell us what you think about the show. Well, today I'm going to tell you a bit about my guest, Dr. Jacqueline DuPont. I actually said a bit, but that's not true. You can't really tell this story without telling you a lot about her. So I'm going to give you an in-depth introduction. Dr. Jacqueline DuPont earned her B.A. in Behavioral Sciences and a minor in religious studies from the University of San Diego. She earned an MS in gerontology and an MA in public administration from the University of Southern California and interned at the Geriatric Education Center at the School of Medicine at USC. Little did she know it was going to be a business. She did her doctorate and postdoctoral studies on the psychology of aging at Ashburn, located in Oxford, England, where she earned her second PhD. Actually, that's her first PhD. Dr. Jacqueline is a gerontologist, chief executive officer, and founder of Irvine Cottages, which offers comprehensive assisted living for those who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Irvine Cottages has 13 residences located in Irvine, Newport Beach, and Mission Viejo. She's also the founder and CEO of Assured In-Home Care and provides comprehensive care for older adults in their homes. Dr. DuPont serves or has served on the board of directors of the Orange County Catholic Foundation, Alzheimer's Association, 
Salvation Army, St. Anne's School, J. Sarah High School, Meals on Wheels, and the Magis Center for Reason and Faith. In 2011, Jacqueline was honored as the Ethics Business Person of the Year in Orange County, California. She has been featured on CNN, CBS, NBC, Fox News, and Dateline, as well as in the Orange Coast Magazine, the LA Times, and the Orange County Register for her work caring for seniors and the memory impaired. And along the way, with her husband Mark, she's had seven children, a college graduate, three college students, and three still in grade school. Did I mention she also doubles as Superwoman? Dr. DuPont's story is, of course, how to live life to the fullest, create a very successful new business model, and all the while make a huge difference, giving back by helping those elderly Alzheimer patients who are often all but forgotten. We have much to discuss. So hello, Dr. Jackie. Hi, Rick. Thank you so much for having me. Well, what a pleasure to have you. It's always an honor to speak with someone that is so accomplished and so caring as you are. And I know that from knowing you through the years and your reputation, you've done some marvelous things. I want to talk about that, and I certainly want want you to tell our guests about what you know about Alzheimer's and what the hope might be and what the difficulties are and what some of the symptoms are and how people should act. But first, I'd like to get started at the early stage of your career, maybe in the early stage of your life, when you how you got interested in helping people, helping the, the sick people and helping the aged. Well, like you said, you try to do things in life that you're good at, and that's always, you know, success seems to follow, but also where your passion is. So as a young kid, I had a passion for older adults. I loved um, visiting nursing homes. I think I started about 12 years old. My dad would drop me off and started a whole bunch of programs in high school and then in college and, you know, looked for a gerontology program, which at the time there were only two in the country. That's how old I am. I'm getting up there. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I I know you. You're not that old. You just got a lot of accomplishments. (laughs) There weren't that many there. And so USC was the closest to me. But going back, you know, I did have my grandfather with Alzheimer's and that was a big deal. And and that did uh, spark my interest in memory care. So um, you said you started in nursing homes at 12 years old. Was it also for aged or just any particular thing? And we only have about another minute to wrap this up for this segment. But please let me know what Um, you think. No, I I started in a a nursing home in Fullerton, and it had um, Fullerton, California. It had mainly Alzheimer's patients there. Mainly, they call them residents, of course, residents with Alzheimer's. So that was a really great introduction. And I was fine handling it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're around anyone who is special, um, if you relate to them or you have that feeling of comfort, you just know that maybe that's one of your gifts. So I always had that feeling of, oh, this is great. I just love hearing their stories. And, of course, hearing them repeat themselves over and over again didn't bother me. And some people, that wouldn't be a fit. So it just depends on what your gifts are. Well, yes, that's very true. But it amazes me that you would even say that at 12 years old, you were able to figure out that that was a gift. Most of us us at 12 years old were playing baseball or, I don't know what, jumping rope or whatever else people do. (laughs) You obviously got a real head start in life. So uh, why don't we, um, I want to talk to you about what you, how you got involved specifically when you were at SC, but we're coming up on a break. So maybe after the break, you can tell us that. So. Folks, stand by. It's a great story, and keep listening. Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. Imagine waking up and walking just eight steps to your work. No commute, no traffic. You set your own hours, full-time or part-time. Your choice. Supplement your income, replace your income. It's up to you. Hopeinacan.com can help you get there. These aren't empty promises. When Catherine, a popular hairstylist back east, became ill and needed different work, she became part of the Hope in a Can team. Within two years, she not only regained her health, but also more than replaced her income. 
Mary, a nurse and mother of nine in the Midwest, quit nursing to be with her family and work from home. Her income put nine children through college. A near-retirement dentist is happily building a post-retirement business. What are your goals? Call now, toll-free to learn more. 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. Because you're active in your church, you may have wondered, how can we maintain the quality of our stained glass windows? What is their value? What would repairs cost? You can get a no-cost analysis of your church's stained glass windows at willethauser.com to help you make the best decisions for restoration or new windows. A free inspection and evaluation of your church's windows by the Willethauser Artisans can answer your questions. Over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience. Willethauser.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I'm Rick Brudico, your host for this week's show. And don't forget, check us out at www.thementors.com. This week, we're talking with Dr. Jacqueline DuPont, gerontologist, successful business person, but mostly an agent for change for the better among the Alzheimer population. So, Dr. Jackie, I was talking to you before we left on the break, and um, could you tell me a bit about your family and especially how those that were part of your family was involved in what you got you into this field? Oh, sure. Well, back in graduate school, I was studying, you know, gerontology, and my, my brother was just out of law school at Georgetown and came over. I don't know, he has so many degrees, I can't keep up with him. Rich, his name's Rich, too. And he went to SC for an MBT in tax, uh, master's in tax, and he was studying elder law and wanted to get his LLM, another law degree. So he um, he said to me, well, you know, grand- our grandfather um, had a really bad case of Alzheimer's and just kept mentioning, you really love the elderly. Why don't you think about administration and maybe opening up a facility? So I, I did. I thought about it thought about it. We couldn't find any great care for him at the time because, again, this is right after Alzheimer's even got a name. It had a name, of course, from Dr. Alois way back, way 100 years ago, but it didn't have the specific name. It was organic brain syndrome, senility. So Alzheimer's had just kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, in the late 80s and 90s. So we there really weren't any memory care facilities. There were just nursing homes that had a lot of older adults with memory loss, but they weren't being treated special. So that's how we got into the business. So my brother and I did it together for him, and he was not doing well at home. Um, you know, you mentioned... How do you know when a facility's right, when is staying home right? Well, staying home and aging in place, that is the term we use as gerontologists. Aging in place is nice. Everyone wants to live at home their whole life because they love their home, they love their family, they love their comfort and their routine especially. So that's really critical, especially couples. They love to stay at home. The only disease that's very difficult to manage at home is Alzheimer's disease or any of the dementias. There are various dementias that are similar to Alzheimer's as well. It is hard just because of the nocturnal awakeness, the 24 hours of the disease, and the disease just doesn't stop. It's not like, you know, a couple hours a day where someone's a little depressed or they're sundowning only in the afternoon. They could actually have behaviors that are abnormal or difficult for caregivers all the time. So it's a harder disease to manage at home. Would you have said that, that while your granddad was at home, was it um, difficult not only on the family, but was it difficult on him? It was really difficult on him, and that's a really valid point. Do older adults with Alzheimer's do better in a structured environment? And yes, they do. They, they, I feel in a facility they do do better. There's more to do. There's more to keep them not bored. There's therapies. There's people to meet. There's routine in their, in their beautiful dining experience and their music therapy. And there's just a lot to really help stimulate, you know, cognitive improvement. Where at home, you know, you do seem to get people who do get bored, watch TV too much, and then get really depressed or agitated. And again, they may be bored all day, so they're sleeping all day. So what happens? They're up all night even worse. 
So yeah, and I hard. guess I guess a, a lot of times we think of, at least speaking from the lay community, we think a lot of times that Alzheimer's, oh my gosh, vegetable kind of person. But reality is the people are still fully functional. It's just that they don't, yeah. they have a certain area of their memory they don't recall. Isn't that right? Right. Their short-term memory. The short-term memory is very short, you know, a couple seconds <laughs> where, you know, it's difficult for them to not only not remember, but not, they can't. The signal from the brain does not always get there. So how to walk, how to talk, words get lost, communication is very difficult. So it is harder, and specialized training is really critical. For example, a nurse or a caregiver should never argue with an older adult with Alzheimer's because you're just going to escalate them. They're mm-hmm. always right and you're always wrong, but not everyone knows that at home. It's harder on family. You know, you want you want to picture them as normal and as not having a brain disease. So you just really, I see families struggling with that, oh, Dad, you're wrong, you're wrong, that's not right. You know, Mom isn't alive, or they correct them a lot. And correcting them can cause depression, because then they're like, oh, you know, oh, I, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I wrong all the time? So you're almost reminding them that they have a disease instead of validating them. So validating them would just be redirecting them. Or changing the subject or not focusing on that one subject they're adamant about. Now, don't they, don't they um, also experience a situation where they can remember things that were 70 years ago, 50 years ago, and names and places and things like that? Or is that a different type of dementia? No, no, that's Alzheimer's. They definitely get a stronger long-term memory. So anything from the past gets much more vivid to them. And we think the brain's just trying to compensate. Yeah. So, but the short-term memory, again, what they ate for lunch, what they ate for breakfast, or how to use the car keys, um, let alone what keys are or what a remote is. You know, not even, you know, let alone where you left the remote isn't so much the issue. It's what to do with the TV remote. They, they literally don't remember that either. So a lot so of processing. Did, so- yeah, I'm sure. So when when they now when you go in to see them as family or a close friend or something like that, I, I I seem to remember my mother-in-law who I didn't know at the time had Alzheimer's, but I now know from listening to your description um, that uh, you it, they would sometimes recognize you and know your name, but sometimes mm-hmm. they wouldn't. Is that typical? Yes. Well, Dr. Laferla from UCI and I were talking the other day, and we both agreed there are no two Alzheimer's patients that are the same. So we have these stages, different stage charts. You'll have one stage chart from AARP, another one from Alzheimer's, Orange County, another one from the Alzheimer's Association. Everyone has a different neuropsychological uh, chart. Some have three stages, seven stages. The end result is the same. Everyone declines pretty much in stages, whether it's seven or three, they're declining. And not always the same, though, as Dr. LaFerlo and I are saying, there's just not two people that are alike. So you might have someone, uh, engineer, the very high IQ that can retain a lot of other social skills and cover up and even recognize family longer. Then you might have a younger person who's even brilliant as well, but their frontal lobe is much more impaired. It really depends on where the neurofibular plaques and tangles are located. So with the amyloid plaque involved, you just don't know where the damage is in the brain. So some people are able to recognize you to the very end. It is rare, but some people do uh, have recognition of family members where others typically follow that stage chart where in the moderate stage, they don't recognize you anymore, the moderate to late stage. So it's stages. It's still a a progression. There's still a progression. I want to get back to that at the end if we have time because uh, you've s- sure. said some things that I think the listeners would be interested, especially in spotting it in their relatives and friends. But I'm I'm wondering if we could maybe quickly talk about how we got grandfather into that home. We've got about a minute and a half, and sure. if we could talk about how you got him in the home, and then of course I want to transition maybe after we get back from the break how you'd made that a business. Yes, so So, very quickly, we we decided to open a home, a very small home in Irvine. We decided, you know, he had been in a home his whole life. Why not start with a small home? That would be more comfortable for his brain and more familiar. So we opened a small home in Irvine just because Irvine seemed like the perfect city with parks and everything. And he really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the adaptation to a smaller environment is so much better sometimes in a larger environment because the brain is a little bit on overload. And again, it depends on the scenario, but 
in his case, we decided to do that. And we felt he had always complained of delusions. He had a lot of delusions. And some patients do. They do end up with, um, at night, a lot of delusions. And that was him thinking someone hit him, someone punched him. When, when we know, we were working at night, all of us helping, and no one had hit him. So we decided at that point, you know, but the best thing to do in this small facility is to put in cameras. So we actually advocated to put in cameras in the bedroom and drew up uh, wonderful policies and procedures and uh, consent from the family, the power of attorney, and consent from the employee. So we well, can we, can we, Doctor, Doctor Jack, can we hold that right there because we've got right now about uh, 20, 20, 25 seconds left. Uh, I just want to make sure one thing though. Didn't when he, when he went in there, was he the only resident, or were there other residents? Oh, there were. Yeah, there were other. They were up to okay. small facilities in California are up to six. Different states have different numbers. Uh, Arizona is ten. Uh, it depends. Okay. Oregon, I think, is ten as well. So small facilities and neighborhoods are small. They could be called a group home, a boarding care, whatever they're called. They're licensed uh, residential care facilities. Okay. Well, we, we we're up against the break right now. So listeners, stay with us. And after the break, you're going to hear Doctor Dupont tell us about how cameras became an issue in her care of the elderly. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My pillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632, 1-800-890-6632, and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. Hi, this is Tom Laurie, one of the three hosts of the Mentors Radio Show that airs Saturday morning and Sunday at noon. Like you, I live in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, and also like most of us in the region, we know someone who has either lost their home or has been evacuated by the devastating Napa and Santa Rosa fires. Even while the fires are starting to see containment, there are still tens of thousands who cannot return home yet and several thousand still in makeshift emergency shelters. The Mentors Radio will be delivering basic necessities requested by those shelters. Diapers, baby food, wipes, adult diapers, pillows, blankets, and water to those locations over the weekend, and we'll make a second trip if possible. If you would like to donate to this effort, please go to our generosity website. Find a link at thementorsradio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com, and thank you. Attention salespeople. Are you struggling trying to make sales on a daily basis so you can earn more money and enjoy a better lifestyle? Are you sick and tired of prospects telling you they want to think about it and not being able to pay your bills? End all that now by going to www.MinutesToSales.com and sign up for my free webinar. Hello, I'm Jeff Modern, and I regularly hear from salespeople and business owners who are struggling to get more sales because they don't know how to sell in a clear and convincing way. And that was me when I started out in sales more than 35 years ago. I knew I had a great product that made people's lives better, but for some reason, I just didn't know how to tell people about it in a clear and convincing way. I couldn't even close the door, so to speak. But all that changed when I cracked the code. Since then, I've helped hundreds of people to understand the process and be able to sell at will. If you'd like to start making more sales immediately, sign up for my free webinar at www.minutestosales.com where you can experience for yourself my simple, amazing process and see how it instantly improves your sales ability. Go to www.minutestosales.com today and sign up for my free webinar. Talk to you soon. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. And of course, I'm your mentor host, Rick Brudico. With me is Dr. Jacqueline DuPont, gerontologist. We've just gotten an, uh, an interesting set of information on Alzheimer's. And uh, 
some of it uh, scientific in nature, and I have to say a few words were beyond my recognition. So, <laughs> But all that said and done, she was telling a great story about how she got her granddad into a home and bought the home to put him into it. So I'd like to start there and then go go on from there, uh, Dr. DuPont. But didn't did, when you put your granddad in the home, was did, when you decided to do it, at that point, did you decide to start the business or did you put him in just for his own betterment and ultimately it grew into business and whatever way it is, if you could describe that, that would be helpful? Oh, sure. No, we wanted to do the business probably before that and we're hoping he would be a perfect fit for it just with his, you know, his whole behavior. And, and actually, I had to tour so many nursing homes to look for one for him with my grandma. So we went all around Orange County, and that was how we pretty much decided on the smaller. Although, you know, I own large, too. I, I, you hadn't mentioned I own Vista Gardens, which is a large memory care facility in Orange County, in uh, San Diego County, North County. And, and large, is, large, he would have done well here, too, probably in our smaller unit. We have two units, larger and small, for different forms of dementia. Um, again, the mild stage does really, really well in the social, active, yet and not everyone's the same, but most. And then the moderate to late stage, sometimes they do better in the smaller environment. So we have both at Mr. Gardens, too. But back in the day with Grandpa, um, that was it. My cousin was an engineer in camera systems. And my brother Rich said, we should talk to Steve to see, you know, would cameras really help? And he said, oh, yes, there's a 24-hour VCR, and you have to change the tape every day. But, I mean, this is back in the day when the VCR was probably – four feet wide, you know, it's this huge thing. Uh, I recall and, them well. <laughs> yes, and those really old analog uh, recorders and cameras, but yet we felt it would be safer just because of our own personal experience with our grandfather who had the delusional behavior. Not everyone has that, but in his case, um, he did. And then I had worked at another facility right out of grad school, and right out of grad school, they had a rape. So the rapist was an employee at this other facility. I, I was just a right out of school, you know, employee, and it did kind of shock me. So, um, uh, you know, that abuse I never wanted to see again. Well, so, so, uh, really... so Doctor Jackie, were you was your was your idea of implementing the cameras was it so, was it more for the protection of situations such as a rape or was it more for uh, protection to the to to the patient? Because uh, I imagine you weren't monitoring them in real time, were you? No, we weren't. We've always had the opinion that if an older adult came out of the room and complained about something or we saw a bruise or they fell, they really can't recall. Recall oh, very see, hard because, yes, yes. again, mm-hmm. it's short-term memory loss. Right. So back to our short-term memory, they can't. So um, even if they're found on the floor or how they get there or how they trip or was the, the chair in the way, whatever, it could be something very simple. Or if they lost their dentures. Where did they put them? Usually they've rolled them up and stuck them in the trash can. Or between the mattresses, <laughs> you find all kinds of things with the camera footage. So the bedroom is just where, unfortunately, elder abuse occurs the most. Not in the hallway, not in the common areas. It occurs in the bedroom. So safety versus privacy, you know, obviously is an issue. Um, but back at that time, we decided we're opening up this small facility. We're going to put it in our program. And we, we of course, typed it in the program submitted it and it was approved by the state so they came out and gave us a license to operate and then about three months later they came back out and we had this incident where I'd reported I think one home health nurse who wasn't our employee but home health is through Medicare they come into the home and help and she was nasty to a resident so I reported it and showed him the VCR tape and the state evaluator said you can't videotape in the bedroom. This is horrible. This is terrible. You can't do this. You're invading their privacy. Who gave you permission? And I said, well, your licensed program analyst did, and we were opened, and we're fine. And she said, no, no, no. I need to talk to my boss. So she went back, talked to her boss. They came out and said, you turn off those cameras, or we are going to um, close you down. And I said, no, no, no. Everyone's got to be safe, including my own family, and I'm keeping the cameras on. So at that point, we had a little bit of a battle, and um, the families were very upset because these are families who picked us based on, wow, you have cameras. So business proposition-wise, it was a marketing tool a little bit, and um, it wasn't like the number one thing, but they did see the cameras and said, wow, we've never seen this before. We were the first probably, probably in the country, 
to do this. So the state wanted us closed down, and um, we we fought it. We fought it in the media, which is unusual. I had a friend, Jane Glenn. Well, Hoff, I, actually, actually I think that. Excuse me, Dr. Jackie. I'd like you to go into that a bit because uh, I think so many entrepreneurs, no matter what their business, often get caught in that problem. How do you fight the federal government, state government, or the county government? They're so much more powerful than you. So please do go into that. We've got got a couple minutes to go in that story. Sure. It was so tough because, again, I'm in my 20s, and my brother's in his 20s, and we're right out of graduate school, so we're not brilliant yet, and because brilliance (laughs) comes from wisdom. And, you know, you, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really was difficult because I just decided, you know, we have to stand by the safety. We know this disease. We've taken care of grandpa. So we totally know it. And they don't know it. Maybe the state doesn't understand. So I always came from, I know the state's trying to protect the older adult and I admire them for that, but they don't really understand. Maybe they haven't had a case in their family yet. Maybe they don't know about Alzheimer's and know how safety is so critical and protecting them. So we just went, the media came about, we were on the front page of the register many times, and then many, many news channels picked it up from, I remember CBS and NBC, and then we were on, you know, Dateline and and a couple other shows, CNN, they all kind of picked it up and would come out and say, what is, well, first of all, they'd always say, what's the problem? You have permission. I'd say, well, you know, we're dealing with the state of California, and and there are no facilities that videotape in the bedroom, so this is a privacy issue. And I'd have to explain it to them because most people say, well, it's a no-brainer. That was always there. Of course, it's health after all, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) But, you know, because when you think about it, you'd want to be protected, especially from there's so many reports on elder abuse. Elder abuse has not gone away, even with the fingerprinting of employees or the bad ones seem to get through. So, um, but uh, we we fought it really hard, uh, and what happened was such a blessing is every family we took care of fought it with us. They loved it and didn't want them turned off, so it was nice to have those children. Many of their parents had been abused at other places, so they were an advocate as well and went to Sacramento with me, and we just fought it from a grassroots perspective. We didn't use a lot of attorney fees or anything. We fought it on our own, and then finally won with a pilot project. And Martha Lopez, who was the deputy director under Pete Wilson, decided to give us a pilot to try it. And okay, so we, can, was, can we hold it? Hold it right there, Jacqueline. Believe it or not, we're, <laughs> we're through another segment. There's so much information here. But I want to tell all my listeners, pay attention to this. We always think we can't win. We can't fight government. But, you know, the grassroots works real well a lot of times. So stick with us, and we're going to hear more from Dr. DuPont when she returns after the break. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. This is a church, a church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willett Hauser Architectural Glass. Willett Hauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. WillettHauser.com 
Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, we're back again, uh, TheMentorsRadio.com, and we're here with Dr. Jacqueline DuPont, and she's telling us about fighting the government and winning, I think. So, uh, Dr. DuPont, just a question. Um, How many beds do you currently have uh, for patients in all facilities now? Yeah, so um, my district garden facility is 99 beds. It's on about five acres, so it's a large memory care. And then the small facilities all add up to about almost 80. So, And I've been larger, but at this time I'm at about, you know, 70s. So um, the, you know, smaller environment, when we are, of course, putting in the cameras, those are in small facilities, but they're all licensed the same in California. So whether you are 100 beds or you're six beds, you have the same exact license, which is called an RCSE, Residential Care Facility for the Elderly License. And the other term for it is assisted living. You know, a lot of people know that term. So, so you, like so you, so you, did you win the camera battle then? I mean, it sounded like you did, well, but I think I remember something did, you didn't we in did. a way. We, we won um, at Irvine Cottages, so I still am able to camera monitor. And by the way, in my in-home care, we didn't talk about this, but assured in-home care, that's, you know, when you provide the caregiver in the home, which is so over-regulated right now. It's just California's killing us with regulations. It's really hard to stay alive um, because it's so expensive, you know, with all of our extra, extra regulations that California is burdening us with. Um, In-home care, we do ask for families to sign a waiver, too, because when you're in your own home, think about it. You... You do want your mom monitored there, so you can actually install nanny cams or any kind of camera you want in your own home. There's no life, you're not a licensed care facility, so you can easily do that. I just, with Assured in-home care, we have them sign a waiver because we still want the employee to know it's transparent, and we still want the family to know. Everyone should be above board. Hidden cameras, if you don't trust the caregiver, you shouldn't be hiring them. You know, right, you need right, to, you yeah. really need, but having the camera footage, is it helpful? Yes, because you've got to remember, when did mom, you know, eat last? And going back in notes, sometimes your notes are flawed with caregiving, so it's super important to have the cameras, even in in-home care when you're aging. They don't have to be in the bedroom, they can be wherever you want them, but it's nice for um, theft, loss, all that. So back to our pilot project, I was able to get a pilot project at the time under Pete Wilson, and it was I was very thankful for it, and I still have it. So now going forward with Vista Gardens, when we opened six years ago, we installed, you know, 250 cameras here, and unfortunately the state did not let me turn them on in the bedroom. So I'm still fighting so but but you 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 bought the cameras as I recall you bought and paid for them and it wasn't a small number was it no about two hundred fifty thousand in camera footage we're actually just upgrading to the infrared Uh now but um, we have them in the common areas but in the bedroom we haven't been able because we've been told by the state they wrote recent internal guidelines for exceptions so we've applied for an exception and it's still not granted and literally I'm calling constantly to remind them in Sacramento that I need my cameras turned on, and I have every family just really wanting them turned on. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, a lot of people call me from UC Berkeley all the way down to San Diego about the cameras because I'm kind of known for that and the camera woman. So they do <laughs> ask me, how do I get them turned on in the bedroom at my facility? Or, And I tell them it's very, very, very difficult. So although I was able to to do something back in the 90s. I haven't been as successful. So I'm hoping um, they've told us they are going to let us turn them on soon, very, very soon. So I'm hoping we're finally coming up with internal regulations that are going to be given to, to facility owners and managers to turn them on. So we're really, really hoping. But 
you know, we haven't been granted it yet. So, you know, the amazing thing, the amazing thing is it's true for all the businesses I've ever been involved with. And I know that people listening are having the same problem. The overregulation of government uh, and it and in the the unfortunate thing is it doesn't get better. It just keeps getting worse. Somebody somewhere has told people uh, that, uh, you know, you guys are the smartest people in the room. And so anything you put out is good. But those people of us that are actually walking the path every day going into those rooms, we somehow don't get a chance to do what it is that we were trained to do. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that you found this to be uh, repetitive. I can tell you it's that way in everything, in zoning, in uh, it, just everything. There's always a government person who knows more about it than we do, and uh, it, right. it, it makes me question, you know? I'm sure it's very right. frustrating to you when you're trying to do so much good. Right. We really are. We're really trying to, to help older adults, even if they fell and hit their head, the amount of of knowledge we know that they hit their head because we don't know when they're on the floor just sending them out to the hospital faster or telling the hospital by the way they hit their head because you don't always know they could have just wanted to lay down on the floor or they could have tripped and put their hands down so it falls are critical and of course you know uh, preventing abuse i mean there are over 50 percent of employees will not work for me in Irvine mm. because wow. i have the cameras and we do have to pay more. We do have to pay a camera premium. We pay them very, very well. And, and part of it is really getting them to understand that this is a uh, just a transparent system. There's no, the cameras don't lie. And, you know, and people forget they're on. They do, believe me. But, um, but it's a good training tool. So, and it is harder. And it, it is. It's harder. But they... A good employee knows they're protected. So if they're doing well, the right thing and someone's delusional accusing them, they can also be protected. Well, look how great it is, too, even just from the care point of view. In other words, you, you, you have shifts. So if somebody wants to see what happened on a previous shift, that they got their medicines, as you said. I like the simple one of they, uh, the, the patient misplaced their teeth or something. I mean, these are really issues for people that can't talk to us for us to be able to or at least communicate with us. I guess they can talk. But yeah. Com- communicate. No, no, they can't these speak are real, for themselves. Yeah, and and it just seems to me that it's actually uh, I don't know appalling. I I know that you you do give great care. Uh, you and I have talked about this before, and we won't uh, uh, bring the whole story to light. But I had a friend, and uh, you and you know who I mean. And and he he mm-hmm. was treating taking care of his wife at home, and then he tried it in a number of places, and finally uh, he heard about you and went to your home and. That man, even though, of course, she ultimately passed away, that man couldn't have been happier in the, I think, three or four years that she spent in your facility. So, you know, great care comes from great concern. Yeah, he was. He was so happy. You're right. And she, even when she passed, because, you know, you never know when someone's going to pass. He wanted, and he'll tell you the story, of course, so it's not a HIPAA violation. But he tells everyone that, you know, he wanted to see the footage. Because what comfort is that knowing she was just peaceful? You know, everyone has uh, the right to safety. Yes, everyone's got a right to safety, uh, Dr. Jacqueline. But in addition to that, everyone's got a right to care. And it just seems to me when you, it would be like taking away the doctor's stethoscope because he might hear something that he shouldn't hear. I don't know. It, it really sounds silly to me that we could even go through this. But uh, once again, we're getting, we're getting close to the end of the break. I just wonder if you could, if you could say, are, are you get, is, is it a fatiguing thing to be the job that you're in? And we really only have about 40, 50 seconds for this. So I hate to do it too, well, but I'd like to know. Well, caregiver burnout is a reality for sure. Yeah. And you can have some of the best caregivers, nurses, um, the the line staff, the CNA, or the caregiver, really, really, it's tough. But, you know, if you have the joy and the love for older adults, you don't see it as much. So you can tell, and that's one thing you look for when hiring, is that sparkle, that little sparkle in someone who has the compassion gene. And not everyone has that. It definitely is not a fit for everyone to work with older adults. But you can tell during interviews, just by looking at the way they treat others, watching how they interact, and that they're not afraid to be camera monitored. Well, and that's <laughs> right. I mean, isn't there? It's kind of it's kind of like the old story about drug testing. If you're afraid to be drug tested, maybe there's a reason why. So, but anyway, uh, I really am I'm so uh, impressed by the work you've done. So we're coming up to a break again. So stick with us. And after the break, I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Dupont to tell us some of the things she learned about uh, her business and all that it's meant to her over these years. 
I had like memory foams, I had feather pillows, and I'd always wake up with neck pain. After sleeping on my pillow, I didn't wake up with the headaches, I was more aligned. I didn't realize the connection between the pillow and sleep. When I switched to my pillow, I got a better night's sleep and I love it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of MyPillow. My patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs and it holds that support all night long to take the pressure off your shoulders and keep your neck aligned so you get the best night's sleep of your life. MyPillow is machine washable and dryable and comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an amazing 10-year warranty. Plus, every MyPillow is made in the USA. I personally guarantee that MyPillow will be the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. MyPillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special, plus free shipping. Go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code MENTORS. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. Hi, this is Tom Laurie, one of the three hosts of the Mentors Radio Show that airs Saturday morning and Sunday at noon. Like you, I live in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, and also like most of us in the region, we know someone who has either lost their home or has been evacuated by the devastating Napa and Santa Rosa fires. Even while the fires are starting to see containment, there are still tens of thousands who cannot return home yet, and several thousand still in makeshift emergency shelters. The Mentors Radio will be delivering basic necessities requested by those shelters. Diapers, baby food, wipes, adult diapers, pillows, blankets, and water to those locations over the weekend, and will make a second trip if possible. If you would like to donate to this effort, please go to our generosity website. Find a link at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com, and thank you. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, hello. You're back with uh, Rick Britico, your mentor host for today. And, uh, of course, with Dr. Jacqueline DuPont, gerontologist, uh, mother, uh, businesswoman, truly remarkable person. She's given us such uh, great information today, both on that uh, dreaded disease, Alzheimer's, but also on business issues and how, uh, you know, the healthcare industry is really heavily regulated. I mean, we're battling this right now with uh, health care in the country and how it, how it should be managed going forward. But you can see even at the level where the, the, the caregivers on the street keeping the patients happy, uh, government is making it difficult for them to do the right thing and the thing that's in the best interest of the patients. So um, we've only got one little bit of time left, uh, Dr. Jacqueline. So if you could... Uh, I'd like to have you pass on, if possible. So let me just start with something like this. Over your career, what did you find most satisfying and most uh, gave you most fulfillment? Wow. Um, most satisfying would definitely be serving uh, those who are less fortunate, especially if they have any disability. I mean, just the feeling you get from that is by far the most satisfying but giving back, you know, over the years, uh, our field of gerontology and aging is very philanthropic. So there's so many opportunities to volunteer. And I've met just some beautiful people, whether it's with AgeWell or Alzheimer's Association or Alzheimer's Orange County especially. Um, I've just met so many wonderful people. And my parents always taught me, when you volunteer, you meet the best. You met the kindest, the brightest, and the most generous. 
So giving back just really, really has blessed me back, which I never expected ever if you want to do it for the humble reason of helping others. But you just seem to always get back more than you give. I know that old adage, but it is true. And I met, like, even my partner, Vista Gardens, Harry Crowell, he is an amazing 85-year-old going on 30. And, you know, it's so nice to see him aging so healthy. He had his double knees done and came into work in, like, a week and a half later. Two knees. Both of them replaced. And he's a perfect picture of active aging. So, you know, it's so fulfilling to be around those who need your help and helping them and helping families who struggle with this dreaded disease. It's just by far the most difficult disease you could ever, ever imagine. You just can't imagine the burden on the family and the friends, even friends, because well, I mean, there's so many young people with it. You know, I, I want to, I want to ask people. you one other thing, because I know you give back tremendously. That's how actually I met you through all of the various organizations you're in, not through the uh, the care of the, of the elderly. But I want to ask you specifically about something you said to me, and I think it's really important that all people who are trying to start business understand. You said something, and I'll just lead you with this. You said, "They said he, I was lucky," and you had a phrase for being lucky. Do you remember what that yeah. was? Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> such thing as luck. luck there is. <laughs> It's when hard work meets preparation, and yeah. that's it. You just work, 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 and eventually it's going to pay off, but it just meets opportunity and preparation. When you're prepared and the opportunity arrives, you're fine. Otherwise, there's no luck at all. There's yeah. no luck. I do not believe in luck. And without the hard work, you're never, ever going to succeed, and everyone knows that. It's just such an, an easy formula. But, you know, it's it's kind of difficult because we are seeing, especially in this new generation, that they, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to just throw them into work and, and they, you know, it's it's a tough time. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, you know so what lot. it is. You know what it is. It's 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 a cop out. And you you're the proof of it. When you work hard, you can do amazing things. And with that, I have to tell you, our show has come to an end. It's hard for me to believe. I thank you very, very much for being with us today and wish you the very oh, best, especially you. fighting the, uh, the government. Uh, oh. As you all. <laughs> so thank you a lot. So, oh, uh, you thank know, you so much, Rick. My, well, my pleasure, really. It's just an honor to speak with you. So, oh, you're you're just amazing mentor. <laughs> well, I hope we can pass some things along, and I'm, I'm I want to talk to my listening audience right now, and just think about all the things you learned today, and all the things that impact your business. You know, we were talking with Dr. Dupont, gerontologist, and I would say Wonder Woman. If she can do it, you can do it. If you can, she can work hard. You can work hard. And don't forget our new sponsor, MyPillow. And no, you can't borrow mine because it's MyPillow. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code MENTORS. This is Rick Brutico, your mentor host, signing off for this edition of The Mentors and reminding you again, every day, remember to make the world a little bit better. Have a good day. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.